This is the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about leadership and management with government executives and thought leaders who are truly changing the way government does business. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is a federal agency with a mission to ensure the markets for consumer financial products and services are fair, transparent, and competitive. It holds accountable those entities that violate consumer financial laws, including unfair, deceptive, and abusive acts and practices. In addition, it accepts consumer complaints and provides educational materials to consumers to improve financial literacy. In executing this mission, the Bureau faces a host of strategic risks that might stand in the way of it achieving its mission objectives. How is the Consumer Financial Protection Board using Enterprise Risk Management, ERM? What is CFPB doing to embed risk-based decision-making into its culture? And how is CFPB tackling its most mission-critical risks? I'll explore these questions and so much more with my very special guest, Marianne Roth, Chief Risk Officer at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Marianne, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. So I'd like to start off uh, our conversations with government executives, kind of give a little background and history. Would you give us a brief overview of the history and mission of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau? Sure. So the CFPB was created in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. Um, At that time, there was not a single point of accountability for enforcing federal consumer financial laws and protecting consumers in the financial marketplace. So we were created to make sure that banks, lenders, and other financial companies treat consumers fairly. We stood up in 2011, in July of 2011, and we were created via the Dodd-Frank Act of 2010. But our mission really is focused on rooting out unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts or practices by writing rules, supervising companies, and enforcing the law. We also take consumer complaints about companies that are not treating consumers fairly. And we develop um, financial education materials so that people have the information, steps, and tools that they need to make smart financial decisions. We also monitor the financial markets for new risks to consumers and to enforce laws regarding discrimination in consumer finance. That's wonderful. With such an interesting mission, Marianne, I was wondering, you kind of hinted at it, but what's the scale of operation within CFPB? And how is it, maybe you can get a sense of how it's organized. Sure. So the CFPB has about 1,600 employees, and we are headed by a director who is appointed by the president to a five-year term. What makes us kind of unique in uh, many ways is that we are not an appropriated agency, meaning we we do not receive congressional appropriations for our budget. Our budget is a percentage of the Federal Reserve System budget. So uh, that gives us a little bit more flexibility and allows us to be a truly independent organization. Uh, We have um, a number of our, the bulk of our staff, I would say, are in our headquarters in D.C., but we have a large presence across the country um, through our regional offices. And that's where a lot of the the day-to-day work of the Bureau takes place by supervisors and uh, enforcement attorneys working um, across the country and examining the practices of, of banks and financial service providers. 
Thank you for the context. It's really nice to set it up that way. I want to switch gears to your particular role and responsibilities, your leadership role within the Bureau. What are your duties and responsibilities as the chief risk officer? Sure. So I'm the first chief risk officer at the Bureau. So I've uh, kind of been able to set the the parameters myself <laughs> for what, what, what the chief risk officer does. Um, so I, when I was brought on in 2017, my, my initial task was to stand up an, an enterprise risk management or ERM capability at the Bureau because there, there was nothing in place when I, I started. Um, you know, the CFPB is a relatively young agency um, it's formed in 2011. So there was nothing in place. And so I've built up an enterprise risk management capability. And recently I had my uh, responsibilities um, increased and I had an organizational realignment. So I had previously been in the office of the director under the chief strategy officer. And we felt that um, moving the ERM program to our operation, to our COO, to the operations division as a direct report to the COO would be beneficial to the organization and would it help us to better instill risk management practices across the entire agency. I had my scope increased so that I'm now also responsible for all of our um, internal policy development and maintenance, as well as our um, audit responsibility, our audit responses to external auditors, and establishing um, an enterprise structure for governance across the the bureau for its internal operations. So, Marianne, regarding your duties and responsibilities as the chief risk officer at the bureau, what are your top challenges that you face, and how have you sought to address those challenges? Sure. So I think one of my initial challenges was just um, explaining the value of enterprise risk management. Um, You know, there, like I said, there hadn't been anything in place at the Bureau before and coming in and really um, teaching the organization and explaining the benefits of of it to leadership um, has been, you know, what, what, I'm sorry, it was an initial challenge. And I would say that sustaining that leadership support has been a challenge, um, you know, with, as like every federal agency where there is frequent leadership change, um, whether it be at the director level or um, due to changes in the administration. So I've, I've found that um, explaining the value of ERM is not a one-time thing. <laughs> it's not something that we can just do once and then everyone understands it and, you know, is, is fully on board. It's a constant process. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes you don't realize how much you assume that the, the, the value of ERM is is commonly understood when it's not. And I think um, another challenge that we faced is just the dynamic and fast-paced environment that we work in. Um, the financial services marketplace is highly uh, dynamic and constantly changing. And getting leaders the, the right information so that they can make the right decisions at the right time is is um, a core part of our ERM program. And just maintaining that that level of um, fast-paced environment, it, it can be challenging as well, but it's been very exciting also. It, it truly is a mindset when you're doing enterprise risk management in an organization. It's a shifting how one or everyone thinks or looks at risk. I almost want to say you're looking at risk as an opportunity. But, you know, what are, you kind of hint at, what are, what are some of the things that surprised you since taking, since coming on? in 2017? 
Um, I would say just the the scope of the the bureau's mission actually surprised me. Um, you know, obviously I had done my research before I joined the organization, but you know, you don't really understand. It's hard to understand the impact that um, the bureau can have on the daily lives of of the American public. Um, you know, just uh, implementing changes and and rules and regulations that um, that hold companies accountable for their their actions um is is just been really exciting to to see the the scope and the the direct impact that has you know i had come from homeland security so protecting people is kind of in my nature it's what i <laughs> like to do and so it's just been really interesting um to see how we can use that same concept of protecting protecting people, but protecting consumers and protecting them in a different way and having that, that impact. I found that very striking. Yeah. And you, so my next question, it kind of was going right into that. You mentioned your previous stint was with Homeland Security. I was wondering if you could give us a sense of your career path. Um, how did you begin your career? What brought you to your current role? Sure. So if you'd asked me when I graduated college uh, what a chief risk officer was or what ERM was, I would have no idea. <laughs> I've uh, definitely come to this through non-traditional means. But um, I started my career actually by going to graduate school to pursue a PhD in political science and international relations. Um, so I, I, I always have this like enterprise-wide uh, perspective. It's kind of what I've, I've always loved about, about that. And um, when I decided that I didn't want to be a college professor, <laughs> I um, moved to DC and um, got a job with a consulting firm that uh, focused, it was a small consulting firm that supported um, the Department of Labor in various organizational design and um, process improvement initiatives. And I really got hooked on that. I really began to... Um, to find my my uh, my place in um, you know helping organizations work as efficiently and effectively as possible through my career, I, I then uh, joined uh, various larger consulting firms like Booz Allen and um, some other firms, and then um, around the mid two thousands, um, uh, two thousand five or so, I started working with TSA. Um, I was working for their deputy um, director. Um, helping to support various organizational improvement opportunities and initiatives. And that that to me was probably one of my favorite jobs of working for the deputy director and having that reach across TSA and being able to really see the impact I was able to have um, by improving the way that they 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 did business, the way they they do that they've done their jobs. I also had the opportunity to serve on DHS's first presidential transition team. So um, in 2008, when we were preparing the department for its first presidential transition, the DHS had never had that before, so uh, or never had, had experienced that before. So that was a very exciting time. And I got to work very closely with um, Secretary Napolitano, and I was able to um, stay on in the office of the secretary after that. And Secretary Napolitano asked me to lead her DHS efficiency review initiative, which was looking at ways that we could improve processes and identify cost savings across the entire department. And that was a huge undertaking and was very exciting. I really loved doing that. We were able to save over $5 billion in five years. So that was a great accomplishment. 
when I had the opportunity to go back to TSA to work um, with Ken Fletcher on their ERM program, I, I had to had to jump at that opportunity again. Uh, you know, TSA is one of my homes. <laughs> I always feel like so. Um, so I, I uh, was able to work with Ken Fletcher directly and r- run his ERM program. So I, I think that's really influenced the way I look at ERM. Um, you know, I definitely look at it from a business uh, transformation perspective and the importance of establishing the processes by which leaders can get information that they need quickly. Time, you know, that so that the information is accurate, timely, and actionable, and um, and that's really been a driving force for me in ERM is looking at ERM from from that perspective. Given your background, in your mind, what are the characteristics uh, of an effective leader? And, and perhaps you could share with us what some of the principles you use to guide your leadership style. Sure. So. I think that one of the most important leadership principles is establishing um, trust with your employees and helping them see how what their daily job is relates to the mission of the organization. Um, I, I invest a lot of time articulating what the vision is for the ERM program or for our um, other CRO responsibilities at the Bureau and explain how that's tied in directly to CFPB's mission and strategic goals. And then I I try to identify key priorities and metrics for the team so that they can achieve that vision, talk with them all the time about how their work is tied to the, the priorities and the vision. And I strive to create an environment in which my team feels that they can demonstrate and apply their knowledge and skills and feel a sense of fulfillment for their contributions to um, the program's priorities. So I deeply value the perspectives and insights of my team members. If I were to summarize it, my leadership style is always to talk with my team and talk with my peers about issues so I can see things from their vantage point and better understand how their perspectives can change the direction of our work and improve our work and help us really achieve the intent of the Bureau. How is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau using Enterprise Risk Management ERM? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Marianne Roth, Chief Risk Officer at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Before we discuss your uh, strategic approach around the enterprise risk management, I was wondering if you could just, for the audience, kind of give us a definition of risk and what is risk and, and, and why is risk so often viewed in negative terms? And when can risk really be sort of referred to as a positive action. Definitely. I think the most common definition of risk is that it is the impact of uncertainty on your objectives. So what's the impact of not knowing what's going to happen um, and what what impact will that have on on your ability to to get what you want to do or to, to do what you want to do? And 
as trite as it may sound, I think that if you really look at risk from that perspective, it's about thinking through the various scenarios of what could happen, what could stop you from achieving a goal, that it's a much more effective way of dealing with risk. I mean, risk is not something that you can just avoid. There's certain risks you can avoid, but overall, every decision people make on a daily basis is a risk-based decision where you're implicitly determining how much risk you're willing to take in a certain area. Um, for example, um, whether you're going to take the metro to work one on a particular day or um, work from home on a particular day based on the weather conditions, that all of that is a risk-based decision. So I think that um, when people think of risk in terms of avoidance, that 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 is what causes them to think of risk in a negative way. But risk is also opportunity. It's the chance to do something different, to take on risk and to um, take a chance on doing something a different way to achieve better outcomes. We've mentioned this term, ERM, enterprise risk management. Um, I, I, I love your insight there about, you know, bolstering your risk appetite and, and trying to break through uh, a risk avoidance type mindset. And where I'm going with this is, could you define for us and for the audience, what is enterprise risk management? And maybe perhaps what distinguishes it from, say, your traditional approach to risk management? And how is it a better way to manage risk? Sure. So, you know, there's so many definitions of enterprise risk management out there. But at its core, I think ERM is really about getting information to decision makers when they need it to help support them in making critical decisions. So it, it's about providing information about the trade-offs that they, they should consider when um, thinking about taking on a new action or changing course in a particular program. But it's also thinking about what are the, the varied impacts to the organization of that individual decision. So it's so much, it's so much more than just a a siloed approach to managing risk. It really is about considering the entire portfolio of equities in the organization and how you can balance the trade-offs against what you want to achieve in the organization. Uh, to put it a, a bit more concretely, you know, every agency and every organization is working with finite resources. Right. There's as much as we would love to do everything in, in the world possible to to protect consumers. We can't. You know, it's just, we, we have a limited number of resources. We have a budget. We have to and we have to work within that. And enterprise risk management, to me, at least, provides a framework for helping leaders make those decisions as to where do we want to invest our resources right now and what impact will that have on our workforce, on our other objectives, on our relationships with our external stakeholders and our uh, relationship with, with consumers, with the public. So it, to me, that, that's the heart of ERM, is that it provides you this framework so that you can consider all the information available and use it to make those critical decisions. Whereas traditional risk management is very siloed in its approach. You, know, you don't take into consideration those outside factors like I just mentioned. Um, you also are much more focused on compliance. And that to me is not what enterprise risk management is, is about. Um, 
it, again, it's about the facilitating strategic decision-making. That's a great way to put it. You know, in light of the, the last almost two years, um, the idea that you may be able to mitigate risk in a silo, but you really need to understand it and, and really deal with it from a strategic standpoint from the enterprise. And I think you just, you eloquently said that it really does do that. You know, you mentioned before as well, uh, the term framework and a strategic framework with respect to what you're doing at the Bureau. I was wondering if you could tell us more about your ERM strategic framework and the risk assessment process. What are the guiding principles that inform and direct the way all dimensions of risk that your agency is dealing with are identified, managed, mitigated, and overcome? Sure. So when I first started at the Bureau, I thought it was very important for me to develop an understanding of what the leaders in the organization wanted to get out of an ERM program. And I didn't want to ask them I didn't want to ask the question just like that, because I know I would not get a very good answer. <laughs> so I met with uh, individual leaders and just talked to them about, like, what are the challenges that they're facing and how would they like to see things operate differently? Like, What would they like to, if they could change anything about the organization, what would they change? And what would, particularly with getting information to make decisions, what would they, what would they like to change? And so I use that information to create a value proposition for our ERM program. Um, and it just highlighted the, the top concerns that leadership had or the top, the, the, the ways that we would be able to best demonstrate the value that we're providing to the organization. And it um, included such things as getting information to leadership in a timely fashion um, so they can make decisions quickly, providing an enterprise view of risk so that it, they, they weren't just being presented with individual siloed questions. They were thinking about it in broader terms. It also included establishing a common risk appetite and facilitating discussions when there were different differences in opinion um, among leadership on the risk appetite and how, first of all, like what, how much risk they were willing to take and also what that actually meant in practical terms. So those types of things really guided the way we I developed the ERM program at the Bureau. And I wanted to make sure that we were able to deliver on those value proposition ideas and, um, and then design the process, our processes to, to support that. So, you know, we use a common framework for how we identify, assess, uh, respond to, and monitor and communicate risks. But to me, it's really about having the conversations and establishing the forums for our leaders to have those critical dis discussions and conversations so that they can identify and come to consensus on the best way to address a risk. So I guess that's a long way of saying, <laughs> I think that the governance structure that we have created and implemented at the Bureau has really helped our risk assessment process and our risk identification process. So we have a um, an enterprise risk committee, which is comprised of all of our top leadership and is chaired by our deputy director. And we also have a, a group called our enterprise risk monitoring council, which is comprised of senior senior level staff, usually at um, a deputy 
level or um, like a chief level, like the CIO, the CIO sits on our Enterprise Risk Monitoring Council, the C, uh, so does the CFO and our chief data officer and um, individuals at, at that level, both uh, throughout the organization, so not just in the operational division. And I found it to be most helpful when we can engage both groups separately and individually to really talk through, like, what, what are the biggest risks on the horizon for the Bureau? And how do they see them? I mean, how, how do they define them? How, are, how do they see them interacting with each other? Uh, because that's one of the, the big gaps that um, I have seen in other ERM programs is that if you don't have those, um, the opportunity for leaders to come together and talk about the interdependencies of the various risks facing the, the organization, they're just not going to be as effective. They're, they're just going to take a siloed approach. You know, they may be able to mitigate risk in one particular area, but they fail to see the broader consequences of a particular mitigation action. That's a great point. Uh, you kind of hinted at this a little bit, uh, Marianne, but uh, when you're thinking about you know, emerging risks and, and, and things on the horizon. How do you incorporate these types of risks into your approach and ensure the impact on your mission is minimized? And what is being done, and this is really where I'm going with this, is what is being done to integrate the ERM principles and framework which you just eloquently uh, outlined for us into the Bureau's strategic planning efforts? So we have an annual... Uh, process for refreshing our risk profile, which is a prioritized list of the most significant risks facing the organization, as well as for updating our risk appetite statement. So we we do that on at least an annual basis, and that includes a complete reassessment of the risks on the profile, so that we you know um, we review what we had identified as the leading root causes and determine whether there have been significant changes in that over the past year or not, as well as the impacts. And that process allows us to identify emerging risks. Our Enterprise Risk Monitoring Council is is another way that we identify emerging risks. So this group of um, senior level staff meets on a monthly basis and all members have the opportunity to identify and discuss new and emerging risks that they see or significant changes in the risks that they see um, from their unique positions. And we really get to dive into, you know, the feasibility of, of the risk and the, um, the the likelihood and the impacts of those risks. But we also get to talk about the interdependencies between those emerging risks. How if at all, they are related to the risks on our profile. That's terrific. You know, I was, my follow-up was really about, um, would you elaborate on, on the benefits of pursuing ERM, both, you know, in your agency, and in our previous segment, you kind of hinted at some of those benefits uh, in terms of getting the right information to the the decision maker and and all those things, but what are some of the other benefits and, and also across the federal government? So in terms of the benefits of pursuing ERM, um, both at the Bureau and across the, the federal government, I see one of the primary benefits is that it allows you to align your understanding of risk with your, with other core processes of your organization. So you 
When you align your understanding of risk with your strategic planning efforts, with your budget and resource allocation efforts, and even your organizational communication and change management efforts, the alignment of all those pieces, I feel, allows an agency to truly achieve its objectives in the most efficient and effective way possible. Um, If you do any of them separately, your organization just won't be as effective. It's the integration of those those core processes, I I would say, is foundational to ERM and is critical to to achieving success and allows um, agencies to create and preserve value, which is a core goal of ERM as well. That's terrific. One of the things I've noticed in talking to folks around, you know, we, we have the 2016 uh, A123 requiring the ERM pursuit of ERM, but ERM poses basic challenges that must be addressed before it can become ingrained in an agency's process and culture. You kind of alluded to that earlier. What are some of the most significant challenges uh, to instituting ERM and how have you within the Bureau, attempted to address those implementation challenges? My favorite thing about A123 uh, and the requirement to implement ERM is is really the flexibility that OMB gave to agencies, that they understood that there is no one approach or one-size-fits-all for ERM that will be effective. You know, it really has to be tailored to the unique needs and culture of the organization. And that's what we've tried to do at the Bureau. We, um, by, um, by creating a value proposition to lead the development of our program. And what I mean by that is that we specifically coordinated and worked with leadership to identify what they wanted to get out of an ERM program, what would bring the most value to them as individual leaders and to them as a leadership team. And then we, built our processes around that so that we can deliver and provide the value that they intended. I think though it's important to realize that once you set a value proposition, it's a living document, so to speak. So like, so the, the needs of leadership change over time and you have to adapt your, your ERM program um, over time as well. Um, a lot of times organizations think about this from a maturity model perspective. You want to, um, achieve greater levels of maturity, and that it, and it seems like a like it should be sequential. You know, like once you reach a a level three, you're always at a level three. <laughs> but but that's never really the case. You know, um, at least not. <laughs> I've never really seen that happen. Where you, it's it's possible to just maintain that because there are so many dynamic changes happening in your environment. You know, you have leadership changes. You have changes in priorities. You have changes. In the you know in your external environment, and so I think that um, one of the most significant challenges to implementing ERM is understanding that you have to be constantly explaining and demonstrating the value you bring to the organization, and adapting very quickly to changing priorities and um, and a, a changing environment. From the perspective of the chief risk officer. How has the pandemic changed the way your bureau manages risks? And to what extent are you taking seriously 
organizational resilience in your risk profile? Well, actually, we added an organizational resilience risk (laughs) to our profile in 2020, directly in response to the pandemic. (laughs) But but when we added that risk, we we wanted to to make it broader than just our our situation in 2020. Um, we, we didn't want it to be, you know, specific to the pandemic is I guess what I'm trying to say. We want to really look at it. We want to look at it as to what are the things that could disrupt our normal operations, whether it be a natural disaster, something like a global pandemic, or even a financial collapse of the economy or, you know, significant downturns in the economy. How can we be, as an organization, flexible and nimble enough so that we can address the different needs of our workforce in each of those scenarios? So we wanted to make sure that we have the processes and communication channels in place so that we can quickly um, adapt to whatever situation um, or crisis that that we're facing um, that would disrupt the way we normally do business. One thing that we've specifically done differently with our with the way that we're managing risk um, since the pandemic is we've really taken the time to develop key risk indicators or KRIs so that we can better understand um, the organizational resilience risk and what we need to do to understand the um, the interaction of multiple risks occurring at the same time and using um, the the right approach to how we want to manage that particular risk. What are the in- incentives for linking performance? That's program performance, what the agency does, and, 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 and to risk management. So I think they go hand in hand. I, I think that um, for an agency to be effective, I think you have to take the perspective of what are our goals and objectives? How are we doing in achieving those goals and objectives? And what are the the things in front of us that could prevent us from achieving those goals and objectives? And without taking them both into account, I don't think that you can be effective. I think that you, you need to do that so that you can shift resources as needed. You can be nimble and address changes in your environment that you may not have control over. But I think that using metrics to help organizations understand how they're performing and then coupling that with the key risk indicators, which identify changes or new impacts to their performance, is an effective way for agencies to manage. How is CFPB fostering a culture of risk awareness across its enterprise? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Marianne Roth, Chief Risk Officer at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, Marianne, we've talked about the the mission of the bureau. You you you've kind of laid out the the strategic ERM framework and the assessment process. You use the governance structure you're putting in place. But what we what we really haven't talked about that much is 
the risk and hazards, um, if you will, that your bureau is facing. Perhaps you could give us a sense of what those critical risks and hazards are. Sure. So I think one risk that all federal agencies are facing is around data and cybersecurity. Um, yeah, that the um, cyber security, the cybersecurity environment is highly dynamic and is constantly changing, and is it's you know very challenging for agencies to stay abreast of all the new and incoming threats that they're uh, that they're facing through cybersecurity. But related to that, I, I think is also the importance of data security. Um, the bureau is a data-driven organization. You know, we we intake data from consumers when they um, contact us with their complaints. We analyze financial markets so that we can understand the risks to consumers. We analyze the impact of our of our educational materials um, through various data and metrics, and if we're not able to secure our data, ensure that what we're taking in and what we're putting out are both protected and secure, um, we won't be able to achieve our mission. So data security is is critical to our organization. That's a great point. Yeah, cyber seems to be the biggest issue most agencies today because we're so interconnected. One, and it also goes, it also is a perfect illustration, wouldn't you say, Marianne, to illustrate that there needs to be an enterprise approach to risk because uh, systems are integrated, processes are integrated. Uh, and, and if one system goes down, it might have a ripple effect, a cascading effect uh, on everything else the, the agency or department does. So it really is interesting, uh, the idea that uh, given the interconnectedness of systems and processes, an enterprise approach to risk is is almost essential. You know, I was wondering, we talked about uh, the OMB guidance and you eloquently put the fact that it, it is flexible. It's in, the, the flexibility is embedded because it's the one size fits all approach. But I was, I, I was wondering if you could give us a sense, how has that guidance on the adoption and use of ERM changed the way risk management is done in the federal government? I think one of the biggest changes it's affected is the establishment, um, is the requirement that agencies establish a risk profile. Um, you know, risk management is something every agency has been doing since it's their, you know, since their creation. Um, but what they, but what, what what hasn't been done is taking a look, a holistic look at the significant risks facing the organization and really aligning. Um, your mission considerations and your operational considerations and making strategic decisions uh, based upon that, um, based upon that. Um, I think that 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 and having um, a, a shared understanding of risk appetite has also changed the way that federal agencies approach, uh, approach risk management. Although a123 does not require agencies to have a formal risk appetite statement. Many agencies are moving in that direction, and, and we are too. We, we actually um, first, pub, first created our risk appetite statement in 2020. But having that articulated and shared across management and with the leadership has really enabled us to 
better understand where we're taking on too much risk, where we're operating outside of leadership's expectations, and where we need to improve our operations. So I think that having both of those those requirements, the risk profile and the risk appetite statement, really have made agencies take a holistic view and take an enterprise view of uh, of risk management, um, much more so than anything else. That's a, that's an important that, that truly is an important element to talk about, uh, Marianne. When you think about the profile and and the different tools that 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 are allowing agency leaders and yourself as a CRO uh, to really tackle the risk and at least understand it, which is a way to better prepare for it. So, you know, decisions whether to undertake a new initiative, as you earlier, or to continue ongoing activities involve risk, as you point out, and rewards. How can risk management act as a tool to strengthen decision-making, and how can government executives integrate risk management into organizational decision-making processes? So one of the most important aspects of that, I think, is making sure that ERM has a seat at the table when decisions are being made. I I also think it's important to have your chief data officer uh, from a data perspective and your uh, cyber representatives and your performance representatives at the table as well, so that you you understand, so leaders can understand the full effects and the full impacts of the um, the proposals they're considering, the initiatives that they're considering, and having um, that having that seat at the table and being able to in, to inform um, decision making as early with risk as early as possible. So getting building risk into the formulation of any new initiative rather than having it tacked on at the end, I think is one of the most effective ways of facilitating the achievement of objectives, but also building risk into the, um, into the organization. Marianne, it goes into the next question I have, because I think it's an important structure you laid out there and the engagement with the C-suite and the folks who own the performance side and, 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 and the IT or the cybersecurity side. Um, as a follow-up, how can risk management uh, as a tool improve information flow? So at the Bureau, we, we use our ERM program to improve information flow by by leveraging key metrics, both key performance indicators and key risk indicators, so that we have a common language that we can use to facilitate discussions with our leadership and, you know, and discuss the, the impacts of risks that we're seeing. Um, having this, this quantitative basis for, for, um, for those discussions has been very, very productive for us. It has allowed us to have a much more complex and nuanced understanding of our environment. And it helps ensure that, again, we're all speaking the same language. Um, you know, often it's in the details <laughs> or it's in the nuance where, um, where there are significant differences in how um, leaders perceive risk. And so I think that having a data-driven approach to 
identifying and documenting risks helps um, helps with that information flow. That is so true when, when you say that in practice, you know, uh, but you, you can do all this. You, you can you can engage, you can create this, the frameworks, you can create the governance stru- structure. Uh, it, it'll have effect on decision making, hopefully, and information flow to decision making. But I'm wondering, Marianne, through your experience in your in your in your current role, uh, properly educating staff about ERM is critical. You mentioned earlier that it's it's a continuing process. And uh, what are you doing to raise awareness and foster a culture of risk awareness across your enterprise? And how does building risk awareness into any culture, any agency's culture, differ or complement the need to manage organizational change? So at the Bureau, we, we have taken a top-down approach to our um, to fostering awareness, uh, to fostering our culture of risk awareness. We have relied primarily on our Enterprise Risk Committee, which is comprised of the senior leaders in the organization. And we have enabled and empowered our divisions to translate, so to speak, our risk communications and our risk language to their employees so that we, so that employees are hearing the message in, in ways that make sense to them and ways that resonate with their jobs and in ways that they can take action upon. So I think that's one that is a, a challenge for many organizations Um if you're not, if you don't tailor your risk communications to your particular audience, so that it has meaning and value to the individuals um, on the front line, and and that's what we're trying to do at the CFPB. So we are relying on our on our leaders um, at all levels of the organization to to receive risk information, you know, and to be supportive of the risk aware culture we are trying to build and then translate that into meaningful performance objectives and meaningful um, decision criteria for employees so that they they are that they're living the, the risk culture on a daily basis rather than having it be um, a, a standalone communication that they receive once a year <laughs> and, you know, and um, you just check the box that you receive the communication. So we really want to make it something that people think about and use in their daily, in their daily jobs. And I think that for any organization, that's, um, I think that having, having that shared risk awareness, that's important. So, you know, um, Marianne, uh, there's been much um, said or made about the difficulty of demonstrating the value of ERM to, you know, agency leaders. Uh, I had a question around what's so challenging about demonstrating the value of ERM and what can be done to illustrate it? How can you show the value of, uh, of this, uh, of this approach? So I think one of the biggest, the biggest challenge around demonstrating the value of ERM is that it's hard to prove a negative. <laughs> so, you know, how can you show that something bad didn't happen because you made a decision <laughs> in advance? So, and and also if you're doing ERM well, 
really the chief risk officer shouldn't be taking credit for whatever changes the organization made. So your, you know, your success is based on, um, on other people kind of almost not needing you there, so to speak, <laughs> because you do, because I mean, but really you do, you, you want that type of strategic framework and that type of risk-based thinking to be embedded just in the way the organization operates on a regular basis. So demonstrating how they, how, so it's very challenging for a CRO to say, this has been the, the value that ERM has brought to the organization, this exact value, because we can't say that you saved X many dollars or you, you know, avoided X many risks. Um, it, it's just not possible to, to demonstrate the value of ERM in those terms. And and that's the biggest challenge is that you don't have a quantitative, um, a quantitative list of successes. <laughs> like if you're managing a program, you can show that you've, you know, decreased expenditures by X percentage, or you've um, achieved X, Y, Z goals and objectives that, or, you know, increased customer service. And all of those things are, are critical for an organization, but they can't be demonstrated by the chief risk officer through the ERM program. It's more that the ERM is more of, um, or the value of ERM is, embedding that type of thinking in in the organization. Yeah, that's a wonderful point. It's about the discipline that it affords the organization. And and and, and it's so true when you and and you and you know it when you see it kind of thing, right? You it, it, because it, it has a as we say the risks themselves can have ripple effects uh, or the or the the hazards can have ripple effects. Uh, so when you do this right, and do this well and get it really ingrained in the culture it will have ripple effects both in like as you said earlier with strategic planning with with making better decisions and, and it's almost like you almost like, okay now i get it and and if you're if you're a recognized leader you'll understand uh, some of the value that it adds if not all of it so yeah i'm transitioning a little bit um marianne uh sort of to the future or, or really what's here and now, you know, the technological advances and innovative disruptions. Um, I'm wondering what types of risks do federal agencies have to deal with when using, say, artificial intelligence or machine learning tools to transform how they they meet their mission? And, and, and you could take this from, from your bureau perspective or, you know, as a CRO, and engaged at, uh, with the firm, the, the enterprise uh, groups outside of uh, your agency. What are you seeing in this area? So this is a great question. Um, I, I think it's such a complex environment, but I tend to think about it in terms of what what impact or what's the risk of of my organization not using these tools appropriately. And then I, I think about it in terms of the impact of these types of, of these tools on our on the on consumers. I mean that that's um, the focus of the, the bureau, but you know, or on the American public. So so what it, when I when I think about this, it's you know, do as a chief risk officer, does my agency have the right um, the right talent? And the the right the employees with the right type of, of skills and knowledge sets to use these tools effectively, because they are highly complex. And also, do we have the right um, 
the the right procurement staff to help us write the the contracts correctly to ob- obtain the the tools that we need. Um, you know, again, the that the, the fast moving environment of AI and machine learning. I, I think it's a it's a challenge for any any organization to know exactly what what their requirements are in uh, with regard to these tools. And then in terms of um, in terms of the consumers, I, we think about it in terms of the like the ethical aspect of AI. Um, there are many insta- instances in which artificial intelligence uh, develops results in um, algorithms that incorporate uh, bias and inequities. Um, and it they can be very hard to to detect and root out, but they're but they're they're there. You know, for consumers, it's certain people will not be will not have access to certain financial products based on an algorithm or based on artificial intelligence. So considering so that is a primary considers consideration of of the CFPB right now, thinking through how we eliminate that. Um, that inherent bias in in um, AI when when it comes to consumers and and how do we maintain um, or how do we support an equitable and um, fair environment for for all consumers? Uh, that that gets into my my next question. You kind of hinted at. I don't know if you have anything to add, but you know when you think of these new technologies, in your case, you put it in the wonderful context of of your mission uh, for the Bureau. But, you know, uh, are you hearing on the street, so to speak, uh, how are other agencies dealing with these kind of risks and hazards um, in, in this area? So I think that for every agency, data governance is so so critical to, to diminish this. Um, I think that a close partnership between this, the chief risk officer and the chief data officer is also critical to um, to addressing the, the various risks. I mean, obviously, the way each agency faces this will be unique to that agency. But that overall partnership between risk and data, and and cybersecurity, I think is um, is is what I'm seeing is this emerging consensus that you have to, that you can't just have data and risk and cyber. Um, in separate side in different silos, working independently, that you really have to pull risk and data and cyber together when you're thinking about how to address um, the risks from AI and machine learning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it just it just uh, under and especially what we're dealing with, as we said earlier, it, it just seems like with every every day it becomes obvious that the, the things are so interconnected. Um, and, 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 and the future just, it affords itself to that, you know, Marianne, before we close today, I want, I have one more question for you and it's around advice. What advice would you give someone who is thinking about a career in public service? I would strongly encourage anyone thinking about a career in public service to pursue it. Um, I have found public service to be incredibly rewarding um, very dynamic and changing. I mean, there's a, a stereotype that government is is boring, but it's really not true. <laughs> there's so much that um, that you can have a direct impact on, 
And I think that's what I love most about public service is knowing that I'm helping people and being able to tangibly see the way my work has made things better for the average American. That's a wonderful, wonderful way to end. Uh, Marianne, I want to thank you for your time today and, and joining us. But more importantly, I'd like to thank you for your dedicated service to this country. Thank you so much. This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Marianne Roth, Chief Risk Officer at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Be sure to join us next time for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government and its effectiveness. Until then, subscribe, download, and listen to the entire interview at Podcast One, iTunes, or on your favorite podcast app. And as always at businessofgovernment.org. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us.